Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined as usual by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. Um, I'm back from my little hiatus there for my uncle dying and such. Um, and we're going to be back to our regular routine here. Uh, so we're recording this the night after um, the night of November 23. Um, the Pistons just lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, 104 to 90. Um, they kind of hung around for a lot of the game, and then in the fourth quarter, it really started to get away from them. Um, and I don't know. The main thing is just they got their butts handed to them by a team that's just a lot better than they are. Uh, Standout performers for the Pistons. Derrick Rose did have 20 points on pretty good efficiency. Um, Andre Drummond had too many turnovers, but he did have 12 points and 17 rebounds with four assists and a couple steals. Uh, That's really the only notable performances for the Pistons. Um, Giannis had 28 points and 10 rebounds. Um, Other than that, it was was really a team effort by the Bucs. Their second highest scorer was... Wes Matthews with 13 points. Um, then they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. They had 10 guys who had more than 5 points in the game. So, you know, other than Giannis, fairly spread out. Scoring attack. Um, so I think we'll just start off. Koo, just, just, just lay it on us. Um, basic thoughts from the game, and we'll go from there. You got physically mentally dominated by a team that's just better than us. Nothing much else to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> they got destroyed by them. There, it wasn't, I don't know what else anybody expected. Uh, the lack of having anyone that can really stop Giannis continues to haunt the Pistons. I mean, and, I don't... This is going to sound like sacrilege. I know that his plus-minus has always been terrible, and it was again tonight. I actually thought Markeith Morris did a half-decent job defending him. Um, uh, he did a straight job, but then also you have to look at the free throws, which, like, the slow momentum takes the Pistons out of rhythm. Like, yeah, but free Giannis, throw, Giannis only shot nine free throws, and he only hit three of them. Because he's bad free throws. throws. Like the team, though. Oh, on the whole... Uh, let yeah. me double check. So the Bucks shot 18 free throws and the Pistons shot 10. Yeah, so like they went, it seems like every time we go against them that they always have the free throw advantage. I feel like that starts with Giannis because he sets the, sets the tone for how it's going to be in the night. Yeah, but Giannis actually away. took less free throws in this game than he averages. He averages almost 12 per game, I think. Fair enough. So... I mean, look, I mean, you look at the stat line, 28 points, um, Then, but he did take uh, 28 shot equivalents to get that, which is less efficient than he normally is. Um, Giannis, Giannis, okay, here, just on the season, Giannis Antetokounmpo is averaging 30 points and 6.5 and assists per game, okay? Those 30 points, typically, this season, have come on a true shooting percentage of 61%. He scored 28 points on lower efficiency, and he only had three assists in this game. So, I actually do not think the Pistons' lack of person to guard Giannis is what did them in in this game. Um, Because I actually thought Markeith Morris did a fairly admirable job of it. 
you know, obviously they don't have like a quote-unquote Giannis stopper, but I'm not sure, is there really any one guy in the league who qualifies as that? Um, you know, really the way you stop Giannis is through really, really good team defense, and that's obviously an issue for the Pistons, but that's not because they don't have a guy for it, because Giannis is just such a physical freak that there's not really a guy to guard Giannis. It's about really, really disciplined and good team defense, which obviously the Pistons can't do to save their lives. Um, and even though Markeith, he did have, as he has oftentimes this season, he did have a team worse plus minus at minus 28. Um, all the starters were pretty bad, particularly the heavy uses ones. So Morris was minus 28. Luke Kennard was minus 27. Andres minus 18. Bruce Brown was minus 15. Lanks Gallery is minus 11. Um, I actually would not read a ton into that because those guys just, I mean, they went up against the Bucks starters the most, including um, Giannis and Eric Bledsoe and such. And so, you know, when you looked at the guys who were playing in this game, it would make sense that the Pistons starters would be the ones who, there's the biggest gap there, you know, in terms of the Bucks starters are spectacular. The Pistons starters with Blake out still, and obviously Reggie Blake sitting out this game because it's back to back. And then obviously Reggie Jackson still not playing. Um, you know that's where the gap would be. So I wouldn't read too much into the plus minuses of all those guys. Um, you know, a lot of times I would look at a pl- at a minus twenty eight from a guy and be like, yeah, that's an issue. But I actually, I think this is a game where that's not really indicative because I actually thought that Markeith played pretty decently in this game. Um, at least defensively. So, and like you said, there is a degree of, you know, what did people expect around the second night of a back-to-back because they're still being cautious with Blake. Blake didn't even play. So you're on the second night of a back-to-back with travel, and you're playing against a team that is the best team already back up on top of the Eastern Conference. They were the best team in the Eastern Conference last season. You know, they've got the MVP. This, This is a really, really spectacular team. And the Pistons are on the second night of a back-to-back, and they're down their best player. So, um, you know, it's disappointing. And the real issue, once again, and I we've talked about this a couple times before, the real issue is that the Pistons have lost a few games that you really think that, you know, they really ought to have won. Um, so, you know, really they should be like, you know, if you... Really, the Pistons ought to be like 7-9 and nine right now. So this should have been their ninth loss of the season. And if that was where they were, I would look at this game and just be like, look, it happens. They lo- they're a second night of back-to-back playing a really good team, and they blew it. You know, that happens. It's basketball. Um, so, But as, as your record slowly gets worse and you slip further and further, it gets less okay to have those things happen, right? Um, you can't let yourself sort of fall... You know, there's only so far in the hole you can allow yourself to go, regardless of the circumstances surrounding individual games. And while the Pistons are not that far into the hole when you look at the Eastern Conference, um, you know, there's still, like, I mean, the seventh seed is Brooklyn. They're below 500. So, you know, there's still, you know, I'm not, like, panicking about that yet, but. That's the real worry. It's not that the Pistons lost this game. It's that they lost some games that they shouldn't have lost, and at some point they're going to need to make these those games up. And, yeah, so 
don't know. What do you want to start us off on some sort of a thought? Anything at all? Otherwise, I can start saying some stuff and we can go from there. Well, depending on where you're going, I'd like to. Uh, I was wanting to get into the little argument that we had on Twitter. Okay, sure. Here, all right. Let's do it. I'll start it off. Okay, so the Pistons took a lot of floaters in this game. I'm of the opinion that was a bad thing. You're of the opinion that that's what they're giving you, so you should take them. Um, that's kind of, that's a, that's a coup. That's probably what Dwayne Casey was telling them to do. And that's probably the best indication that that's the wrong thing to do. (laughs) Quite frankly. So, here, you can go ahead. You can, you can start it. Okay, go for it. Okay, so, I wrote about this in the offseason. And I, my whole Derrick Rose film review that I did in the offseason that like got so many views, that was ba- that was the basic point of the entire video, because we saw it in the playoffs. Like everyone wanted to come at Andre for his performance, and I'm like he didn't play well. He didn't play great in the playoffs. But like I said in the video and all the writings I've done, it was a result of the drop coverage that they were playing. The Pistons had nobody. I mean, if you put when you play drop coverage to the extent that the the uh the Bucks are doing, it it literally takes away completely the role. Man, it almost completely takes away the role man, and it almost completely takes away the the lob threat. So even if you even for the people who may say, well, you know, we don't really have someone out there that really likes throwing lobs on because it's been an issue all year, which it has. Even with Reggie last year in the playoffs, they struggled to even find Andre on any kind of. I don't think he even got a single lob. If you want me to be honest, in the pick and roll against them last year in the playoffs. That's just the way the uh, how how the, to the extent that they run this drop coverage, and Joe, me and Joe also talked about this on the pod last year when it came to the playoffs and we were making our playoff picks. Joe told me that he thought that D'Angelo Russell would have a good good playoff series against the Sixers, which he he didn't. But he th- the, his his idea of it, which I agreed with, was that they played a lot of drop coverage and D'Angelo Russell excels in the mid range area, so he's going to be there all night for him. So the point is, I was trying to make, is that, and I said this, I said this also in the in our during our argument, like when Derrick Rose is on the court, or if you have Blake, you can rely less on that because you have a guy that can go get a bucket. Like Derrick Rose took a couple floaters tonight, but he also got to the rim a lot, and he also got he also made a couple threes. So when Derrick Rose is in the game, which I haven't looked at his plus minus, but I already know it probably is the best on the team. Um, the Pistons didn't need to sell didn't have to settle for floaters, I guess, when Derrick Rose was on the court. But when you're playing with Bruce Brown as your pick-and-roll pick guy, and they're just sagging off you so bad to the paint, and they're taking away Andre completely in the roll threat, I just want to know what else anybody wants to – I just want to know if anybody else, anyone who disagrees with it, what exactly you want them to do. Because if you – and open the third quarter, it seemed like they stopped trying to do that, the – Lot, uh, the floaters, which by the way, it was a competitive game to the fourth, so it was working to an extent. They stopped it, to open the third quarter. They stopped doing it so much, and immediately it was three turnovers. Luke did not refuse to take a mid-range pull-up, hesitate on it, refused to take it, and then that resulted into a turnover because you tried kicking out. And the Bucks are just too lengthy on the perimeter to try to do this. You, it's easy to say you want to create threes, you just want to shoot threes, but with a team like the Bucks who have the length to do it and you're basically playing five on four when you run the pick and roll because Burke Lopez is basically taking away two people. If you don't want them to take floaters, you don't want them to take pull-ups, he's basically guarding the pick and roll ball handler and he's taking the roll 
four. So now you're playing five and four, or four and three. So if you don't want them to take that, I don't know what exactly you expect them to do. So you can go ahead and we can go back and forth about it. Okay. Um. So first off, okay, so you brought up Luke Kennard not taking mid-rangers, right, pull-up twos. Luke Kennard's a good enough shooter that that's okay. That's part of his game. I'm cool with him doing that. Floaters for anyone on this roster. Like, Derrick Rose is good at floaters. Um, if Reggie Jackson was playing, we all know Reggie Jackson is like, that guy's a floater artist. He's been he's been consistently, like, literally the NBA's best floater scorer for, like, three straight seasons. But floaters are hard, man. They're bad offense, and they don't generate open looks for anybody. So this is something that we've talked about, right, with Derrick Rose specifically, right, where somehow or another, right, and we I fully understand that with where what the roster is, it's hard, and it often isn't going to work. But somehow, someway, you need guys to be aggressive to create things, right? So, and that's really what it is, is because you will not beat the Bucks by shooting floaters. That's a fact, right? The Pistons would have... I don't... They, you will not beat the Bucks shooting floaters. That's literally what they want you to take, and they're not going to change because they've looked at the math. There's like there's like a dozen dudes in the NBA that are good enough at that that they can just do that and kill you with it. Maybe. The Pistons have one of those guys, ironically, but he's not playing. So it's just it's not good offense. It's not gonna win you the game. The Bucks were the best defense in the NBA last year. They're one of the best defenses in the NBA this year. So there's really that and and that's why they were so good is they get teams to take these floaters, and I'm not saying that you know oh if the Pistons would have changed this it would have worked like if they force things more like you said they turn the ball over several times right when they're trying to force things, that's a risk you take, but guys it's like Derrick Rose no I do not want Derrick Rose pulling up for floaters as much as he did in this game, attack Brooke Lopez that guy can't jump go at him. He, it might not work. Derrick Rose might turn the ball over quite a bit. But just like we mentioned earlier, at the like in the first couple games of the season, I said I said this, that even if Derrick Rose is going to have high turnovers, but they come out of aggression, I can live with that. Same with Andre Drummond. Same with Luke Kennard. Same with Bruce Brown. Same with anybody. Because you're not going to beat teams by taking inefficient offense. So it's like, okay, so you brought up the free throw disparity. You want to know why the Pistons don't take free throws against the Bucks? Because they take floaters. You don't draw fouls on floaters, once again, unless you're Reggie Jackson. Right? And, you know, it's just like in the playoffs last year where, well, last year in the playoffs, Luke Kennard shot really well from three. But people are like, man, what was wrong with our three-point shooters? We only shot 10 of 35 from three. You know, wow, we just need to shoot better. No, it's that's not a we need to shoot better. That's a, we didn't force the Bucks to move anything ever, so none of our shooters were ever open. So they shot poorly. So it's just, it's a, you're, you will definitely not beat them by not even trying to force them to change their defense or anything like that. If you just go out and go, well, this is what's open, so we're going to take these floaters, you're definitely going to lose. There's no question. If you get more aggressive, you try and force things. It might still not work. The Bucks are a really good defensive team. Like you said, they're really long in the perimeter. They generate turnovers out of that sort of thing a lot, etc., etc. Okay, I get that. But 
Derrick Rose goes, if instead of pulling up for a few floaters early in the game, if instead he says, I'm just going to go to the hoop and barrel in, and he gets, he draws a few fouls. Brooke Lopez maybe comes out of the game. Now Robin Lopez is in. Robin Lopez is good. He's not as good as Brooke Lopez is. You know, that sort of thing. You need to be able to force the issue in those situations, particularly in those situations. And the fact that they did just, all throughout the first half, just continually be like, well, this is what they're giving us, so we're just going to take it. It's just bad offense, and it's also, it's bad coaching. There's no way around it. And this thing that we've talked about ad nauseum with Dwayne Casey, which is that his style of offensive coaching, or lack thereof, um, it leads guys into embracing their worst habits because he's so hands-off with the offense. So he's the sort of guy that he's going to say, hey, take the shots that are available. You know, if you're open, shoot it. And so as a result of that, he doesn't push guys not to, well, the floaters are open, so take them. He's not going to push guys not to do that. And the end result is a game where you score 90 points. Okay, so... I'm just going to basically disagree with about the second half of everything you said because I think that if we could, I mean, I don't have it. I don't know if I could find it. But if we could look at it, I guarantee you that if you looked at what the Pistons were doing on the court with Derrick Rose, when Derrick Rose was on the court in the first half, the Pistons were outscoring the, the Bucks. So it was working to an extent. It's just if I look at the more of the fact that when Derrick Rose comes off the court, you don't have anybody else, and that's why it was just so bad. Because when Derrick Rose on the court, he cut it to the lead, like, to four, to two. He comes out, we lose the lead, he comes back in. We're forcing it back down to four and two. So it wasn't like that they were giving it to us and we were just unsuccessful. It was when Derrick Rose was on the court, it was working. He was doing his thing, and we were scoring the basketball. But he was so doing it against we backups. What? He's doing it. He did it mostly against backups, though. It, but it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. It, just, it happens. And I'm just saying, like, that's that's different. You can't. It's not just as simple as well. When Derrick Rose is out there, it's it's different when you're going against the backups. All of our backups had all of the backups had good plus minuses. Christian Wood had the no, best plus minus on the team at, with plus eleven, and he went one from five from the field. But Gerald, this goes deeper than just this game. It's been all year that Derrick Rose, when he's on the court, the Pistons are better. This isn't just like me saying this this game. No, I get that, and it's because of the fact that even though he turns the ball over a lot, etc. He's got that aggression, and I felt like he did not have that at the same level, particularly early in this game. That's what I'm saying. They needed him not to be, well, I'm going to take some floaters, and he also took a couple of pull-up threes in this game, which I'm not... I, I, I want him to shoot more threes, but I'm not sure about the early in the shot clock pulling up from three thing for him, but that's... What did he shoot, what did he shoot from three? Two or four? Hmm? He shot two or four from three tonight, didn't he? Uh, two of five? But there are just there are just a couple of them where he pulled up early in the shot clock, and it's kind of like, I mean, you know, even if he's gonna shoot a decent split from three, I'd rather him. I you know, he's at his best when he's going to the hoop, right? We can both agree with that, right? Derrick Rose, the best result of a Derrick Rose possession is Derrick Rose attacking the hoop, right? Okay. So when there's like, I I don't know, it's I think there was one or two where he took a pull-up three when there were like 18 seconds or whatever left on the shot clock. So just, that's a minor complaint though, okay? I'm not, that's that's kind of whatever. Like, yeah, I'd rather him not do that that early. Like, if the shot's clock's winding now or whatever, it's like, okay, gonna take a pull-up three. Okay, whatever. But regardless, I want Derek to just, I want him to attack in these situations. I don't want him to go in and just be like, well, here's a floater. 
I want him to get there because particularly when Blake's out, he is the only guy who's going to be able to consistently get to the hoop and challenge good defensive players inside. Andre Drummond can do it a little bit, but we all, and we've talked about this ad nauseum as well, Andre Drummond's clearly in over his head on those situations, right? Like, in the when Blake's out and Reggie Jackson's out, he's like, you can do it, you can kind of hold your nose and let Andre do some of that because, well, these are the other options. But Derrick Rose is the one guy in the roster who you look at, it's like, he can actually do this. And so that's what I mean. And so it's just, that's just sort of the basic thing. It's just, you're not going to beat the Bucks by taking floaters. And you need you need to be able to force things a little bit. So I'm not saying that it would have worked. The Bucks are a really good team. The Pistons probably lose this game either way. I'm just saying you need to be able to try and set up your offense in such a way that you don't just play literally exactly into what the defense is trying to make you do. Right, At so least when it's a good defense, okay, which the so Bucks have been. A, the Bucks have been a really good defense all of last. They literally were the best defense in the NBA last year. And they're not number one right now. I don't know where they'll be after this game. They're like I think they're a sixth, a close, but they're it's pretty close at the top. But I don't. They'll probably be higher after this game. But yeah. All right. So was was there was there Rose efficient tonight? Uh, he was fairly efficient. So he scored twenty points. Uh, on 17 shots from the field, two free throws, so 20 points on 18 shot equivalents. That's fine. I'm not. Okay. So I'm not complaining specifically about Derrick Rose's efficiencies no, or inefficiencies. I'm, that's not where I'm going with it. That, that's not where I'm going with it. What I'm trying to say is, is that so you're saying that you didn't want Derrick Rose to be taking these uh, as many floaters as he did, but yet he was fairly effective tonight. And my point is, is that what's the best? The only way you're going to get the Bucks out of playing drop coverage is if you make them pay for playing drop. But coverage. they're not. They're not going to get out of playing drop coverage. The only okay, way that well, they will is if you have a big man who's going to hit threes, and the Pistons don't have that, especially okay, with Blake so Griffin. Like I said, you, okay, so exactly. So like I said to you on Twitter, what other option do you want the Pistons to do other than to force them to try to get out of the drop cover? Not take floaters. Attack. Try and get Brooke Lopez yeah, into foul Joe, trouble. It's, e- it's easy to say just don't take floaters. What would you have wanted them to do? Like, there's no, like we don't have Blake. I don't really know what else you really expected them to try to do. Drive. I mean, did you see the foul calls? What are they driving into? They're driving into a seven-footer sitting at the rim. I mean, it's not going to work. I mean, it can. No, and see, that's you're not going to. You okay? Here's the point once again, Koo. Okay, Derrick Rose. He was not inefficient. He was not terribly efficient. Twenty points on eighteen equivalents. That's not very good. It's okay. It's not great. You for sure. I can guarantee you. You look up and down the roster. Their their stat lines. There was Derrick Rose was probably here. I will double check here. I think Derrick Rose was the only guy who had more points than who averaged a point per shot equivalent on the roster tonight. Okay, but what, what he was you, he was literally the only one. Okay, literally the only one. You know why? Because when you stop and you take floaters every time down the floor. Even though Derrick Rose is specifically, yeah, it worked okay for him, he's not generating good looks for anyone else. You're not breaking down the defense. This is the whole whole point of, even if you're going to turn it over some, I need you to be aggressive. Because it goes beyond Derrick Rose's individual numbers. It goes beyond Derrick Rose's individual numbers. Right? No, yeah, who is he creating for? So go find me. Luke Kennard, Markeith Morris, Langston Galloway. No, Svi Mikhailuk. LinkedIn and Luke couldn't hit the side of a backboard today. Because they were always covered. 
No, that's no. They had plenty. They have. That's they the had a point. Couple of looks that they missed. Create and more good looks for your offense. Luke had a couple that he passed up, and Langston missed, missed a lot of open ones. So if your whole point is that Derrick Rose is the only one, and he's the only one who had like a point per shot, just go find me another game this season where, you, like, consistently. This is not something that just happened this game. Consistently, we have t- players that struggle to do that. We have Bruce Brown in there, Marquise Morris. Like these guys are not going to go out there and do nothing. We know we've already watched that this season, so it's not shocking that that happened. That's not just something that happened this this game. So my point is, it's like what what I mean. You're saying just do don't take floaters, but there has to be an offense to do that kind of thing. So how are you going to generate looks? Because you can't get it on the perimeter. We're, we're not getting anything on the perimeter because we they're too long for us. We don't have nobody that can get off of that. Luke doesn't. Ha- Luke's not going to get away from long defenders. Langston not going to get away from long defenders. We just don't have the personnel to do anything else. I, I'm that's what I'm saying. Until someone like shows me something else that we could have done with this personnel, I don't see what you could really complain about. I mean, I've literally explained this, Koo. You can try, and it might not work. It, I guarantee you, no one will beat the Bucks all season playing offense the way the Pistons tried to play offense tonight. So the Pistons would have been more competitive doing what you said in the first half than doing what they were doing. Probably, yeah. And, and even I, if they wouldn't be, it's not a matter... We're not trying to be the most competitive we can. You're not trying to hang around with the Bucks. You're trying to win basketball games. There are no moral victories in the NBA, okay? You're for sure not going to beat the Bucks taking floaters. This game was for sure. You are for sure not beating the Bucks taking floaters. That's what I'm telling you. And once again, Joe, and once again, it's just like all you guys say to me in the group chat or anytime I bring up the Pistons need to make a trade, then you guys say, but for who, though? It's easy just to say make a trade. It's easy for you to sit here and say don't take the thing that they're giving you. You're going to have to explain to me an offense that they could have set up something else. Tell Derrick Rose to stop taking floaters and go to the hoop. Who cares if you turn the ball? Tell Bruce Brown, stop taking floaters, go to the hoop. You guys are freak athletes. Tell Andre Drummond, don't pull up for a floater. If you get a charge, I don't care. You no, turn see, the ball over, the, I don't care. Go to the hoop no, no, because it, it's not going to work taking floaters. Andre got blocked multiple times at the rim, Joe. That's right. Keep doing it. I don't care. Keep doing it. I don't care. Keep doing it. Floaters don't work either. They scored 90 points, Koo. We're just going to disagree because last year in the playoffs, you saw Andre did what you said to do, and he had probably the worst outing we'll ever see from him. No, he didn't. It's not simple as just go up and try to dunk it. It's, that's just not how I'm not works. saying just go up and try to dunk it. I'm saying go inside, create contact, try and create something. Floaters, unless you are Reggie Jackson or Tony Parker, floaters are not good offense. Other than okay. like an occasional toss-in sort of a thing. They're not good offense. Your offense will be bad if you're relying heavily on floaters. That is a fact of the NBA. That's why the best defenses in the NBA willingly let teams take them. They go, yes, this is okay. Take these shots because we know that you will lose if you take these shots because it's inefficient offense. Because you're not generating any looks for anyone else. It may have resulted in an even worse outing because they may have turned the ball over a ton. But you know what it also might have resulted in? Might have created some fouls. Might have gotten you to the line some. And it might have started to break down their defense to the point that you start to create open looks. You just said that it may have resulted in a worse loss. So how would that have meant meant that it would have worked more? That's the whole point I'm saying, Koo. Because I know for a fact 
There is no way that you are going to win this game taking floaters. If you tell guys to force things, just like I've said, as a positive, in Derrick Rose's favor all season, I don't care that Derrick Rose has turned the ball over a bunch this season. Because those turnovers are typically, there's been some that haven't, but typically are coming because he's saying someone on this team needs to force the damn issue. Someone needs to force it and get to the hoop, break down defenses by cutting into the paint and getting to the hoop and scoring at the hoop. Andre Drummond has done a lot of that this season too, even though that's more than he really should be asked to do. And I've defended both of those guys by saying at least they are doing this because you need to have guys who do this on your offense. Otherwise, your offense will be guaranteed to be awful every night. Maybe this is a night where, you know, back-to-back against a good defensive team, Andre Drummond, and he had five turnovers as it was. Maybe he's just not up for it. Maybe Derrick Rose has eight turnovers if he does this. But I know for a fact it is not going to work if you just take floaters. Because you know what else could happen? Derrick Rose draws a lot of fouls a lot of the time. He took two free That's throws in this true. game. That's not true. Yeah, it is. That's a false statement. He does, he's had, His whole career, he struggled with drawing the fouls. That is not true. And, yes, it is. It's been a story his whole career. And Derrick Rose has a free throw can. rate of 30.2%. That's the yeah, exact but, same but as Andre Drummond. Drive to the rim. It does. That's not. That's he should be getting more. That's first and second. If you watch the game tonight, the broadcasters were talking about it. Pistons Twitter were all talking about it. The the, the foul, They were not calling fouls for the Pistons tonight. Uh, Christian Wood got hammered a bunch. Andre got hammered a bunch. They just weren't whistling nothing. So just going to the rim and saying, "Oh, here you go." Ho- hopefully they call fouls. This wasn't going to work. You have to look at how the game was playing out, and they just weren't getting foul calls. So just having that be the center of your offense, this wasn't going to work either. But there's also games where you do get those foul calls. Yeah, but uh, I agree with that. But that, as you play a game, because once again, okay, out. you want to know what the a guarantee to not get foul calls is? Be a puss and take floaters repeatedly. That's a guarantee. No, but you're, you're just ignoring the fact of how this game was. I'm not out. ignoring it. I'm telling you, this is how the game played so out. So you're saying just do insanity, just keep doing the thing over and over. Cause no, taking floaters is the insanity. That's no, what I'm saying. Tested and went up on, on the hard wood. Floaters the are the insanity. Taking floaters is the insanity. No foul calls were being called. It's just how the refs were blowing the night. Okay, so the refs screwed up on the night. That doesn't mean that you go, well, we're just going to give up then. So the refs blew some calls, so we're just going to give up and take bad offense that we know is going to be bad offense. That's exactly what it is. It is giving up. That's what it is. You can't keep going expecting a a referee crew who has obviously showed you for the night that they're not going to call these fouls and continue to do it, hopingly they will. That's not how you play basketball. You have to feel out your referee crew. You have to feel out the momentum in the game and feel out how it's going. Coop, they scored 90 points. Coop, be quiet. Stop. They scored 90 points. You're wrong. You're wrong. They scored 90 points. They scored 90 points, Coop. Joe, that because what was the we what was the score? How how much were we down entering the fourth quarter? Uh, let me. Because we were doing we were holding the bucks like you said earlier on Giannis. We were playing pretty well defense, or they were just missing shots. Either way, we were close in the game all the way into the fourth quarter. So the the fact that we weren't scoring a lot didn't matter because neither were the bucks. They scored 90 points, Koo. Joe, it doesn't matter. What was the, what was the score? You will not have a good offense without consistent what penetration. What was the score heading into the fourth quarter? <sighs> I'm going to have to add it up here. Either way, you'll never... Either way, you're just... 
even excluding tonight. It was you're not 77. The Bucks had 20, 77. And the Pistons had 69. Okay, so it was an eight-point game. And then we came out with that atrocious lineup the ball game. That lineup but only went minus three on the night. This game. That lineup only went minus three on the night. It doesn't, Joe, see, and like I said, see, you can you can point to the numbers, you can point to the minus three, but once again, if you're just going to ignore momentum and ignore all that other stuff that obviously goes into the game of basketball. I'm not just ignoring momentum. Yeah, I'm but, saying okay, you're not going to generate momentum, momentum taking floaters. No, it's not yeah, plausible. It's not why it, it fell apart early in that fourth quarter or in the fourth quarter. It was because we had the momentum going into the fourth quarter. We were playing decently well, especially the close of third Lineup in the fourth quarter, and it completely shut down any momentum and any kind of flow that we had going. That's what happened. And also, they weren't aggressive and didn't push the issue. Joe, they were plenty aggressive. They weren't getting foul calls, but we can just disagree. You're not, you're not going to get me to agree with just like completely ruling out a part on the court because you don't want I'm to I'm not saying it. rule out that part of the court. I'm not saying never, ever take floaters. I'm saying in the first quarter of this game, the Pistons took like Almost, other than Andre Drummond's putbacks and a couple of three-pointers that were contested, basically every shot they took was a floater. That's bad offense, Koo. Okay, Joe, and like I said... Until you can't you, just go, well, this is what it is. You want to get Hal on here? This you is... want to get Laz? Yeah, until you sure. Get somebody that can, prove to, can show me a type of offense that you would have rather them do, there's nothing else, because the Pistons' offense is already basic as hell. All they do is run pick and roll. Like, this is the same stuff that we were doing this game is the same stuff we've done all season. Basic pick and roll from the wing and just hope something happens. So unless you unless you think that, one, Dwayne Casey's going to change the offense and do something spectacular, which he's not, or two, you have a better idea. Cool, this is a complaint about Dwayne Casey. Here. This There's is the point. I'm saying Dwayne Casey is a bum. That's the point here. Okay, Dwayne Joe, Casey's a again, bum who doesn't just... Does, I'm being realistic. He's There's a bum who doesn't... Once again, don't give up. Don't just say, well, Dwayne Casey's a bum, so I'm just going to give up on saying, continuing to point out that he's a bum who doesn't know how to design an offense. I'm not going to just stop doing that. Every single night that their offense is trash and it's des- in a way it's designed is trash, I'm going to say, Dwayne Casey's a bum who doesn't know how to coach offense. I don't want to hear the, well, you know, it's really on the players. Hey, coach, pull your head out of your own ass long enough. To realize it helps to put players into positions that helps play to their strengths. Maybe if you do a smidgen to try and help create open looks for guys, instead of just going, here, Derek, go score for us. Instead of going, here, Andre, go score for us. Okay, well, you're going to be having that complaint for four years. That's right. You're right, Koo. You're absolutely right. You know what? If you want to have that war, then you can have that war. But I'm, I'm now living in reality. And I see that even though the Pistons' offense is very basic as hell, when Koo, came on the we court, talked the about this last season too, right? I said that this was going to be a fact before the Pistons hired Dwayne Casey. In the moment they hired Dwayne Casey, I was like, this is what it's going to be. I'm not going to stop saying this is a joke. And Dwayne Casey is a huge part of the problem with this freaking basketball team. They blew it. The Pistons blew it. They made one of the worst hires they could have possibly made. Okay, see, here we go. It's a truth. Also, I've seen people say, well, at least he's... What young guys is Dwayne Casey developing? Luke Kennard didn't get that much better. He's progressed exactly how we thought he should progress. Did Bruce Brown get better this season, Koo? 
I mean, I... Uh, no? Not, I don't know. Has Kyrie Thomas been able to see the floor? No. No. What's Sekou Dumboya doing? Not playing. Sveen Mikhailik finally got in a little bit because of injuries. He no, won't play He won't play well. Christian Wood over Thon Maker because he's got his head stuck so far up his ass. He goes, Herder defense! Come on, Joe. Chill out. Pull your head out of your ass, Dwayne. Listen, Joe. Like I said, you can do this. If you want to come out every No, night, we're going to. We're going to do this. Every no, night no, that the offense is a is a trash I'm fire. Every night the off. I'm not stressed about it. Once Genku, I knew this was. I knew that this team was doomed the moment they hired Dwayne Casey. I came on this show and I said this team is doomed because they hired Dwayne Casey. I wrote a piece before they hired him saying the Pistons should not hire Dwayne Casey, and if they do, they will doom themselves. I mean, you want to rebuild? Wrong. Don't trade away everybody. Fire Dwayne Casey. That's what you need to do. And that's one of the things that's actually the biggest issue is that when they hired Dwayne Casey, they explicit like in the reports it explicitly said that the Pistons promised him that they would give him time while they addressed their roster. So if they do decide to rebuild, guess who's sticking around? Dwayne Casey. That's what I'm saying. Joe Isn't that going to be awesome? Four years. Yeah. So. I'm going to keep saying it, people. You're doomed. This basketball team is doomed because they've got a bum coach who doesn't know how offense works. His idea of a modern offense for threes is, well, just tell guys to shoot more threes. We don't need to, like, try and set up our offense in such a way that it generates more threes. Just tell guys to shoot more threes. Who cares if they're contested? Just shoot more threes. It's that easy, isn't it? And that's what the Rockets do. It's not that they design their entire offense to generate corner threes all they can. They just tell guys to shoot threes. That's what they do, isn't it? And that's what everyone does. That's what all the great offenses do, isn't it? You just tell guys to shoot more threes? That's that's not what it is? Wait, you mean Dwayne Casey, do you think that he watches other teams? And he's like, why are they doing all these like off-ball screens? And stuff? Was that a play? Like, did they just run it? Why are they doing these things? Do you think he sees, like, when he sees, like, Greg Popovich, like, standing out by half court, yelling sets and stuff out to his players, do you think he's like, man, that looks stressful. I'm glad I don't do that. He probably does. Like, man, that sure must be, that must suck to have to actually coach the basketball team. Now, Joe, I'm just going to say, I don't know if we had a better coach if we're we're winning this game anyway. And probably not this game. But once again, the issue isn't this game. It's the other games that they've blown. Because they've got a bum coach. Alright. Is that what you want to stay with? (laughs) I don't know. You want to talk about something else? (laughs) I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say about. On the the Dwayne Casey's a bum thing, okay? So, the most inexplicable thing about the Thonmaker saga, okay? What is the biggest issue with Thonmaker playing center? Rebounding. Rebounding. Christian Wood is actually a pretty decent rebounder. What do the Pistons have on their roster? The best rebounder ever. The best rebounder ever. So when you look at this, and every time Thonmaker plays with either Christian Wood and especially Markeith Morris, the Pistons just can't rebound for crap. Repeatedly. And we know Thonmaker cannot rebound at all. 
why would you not look at this and go, you know what's a good idea? What if we play Thonmaker with Andre Drummond? Because Andre Drummond is such a good rebounder, he can cover Thon's ass for the thing that Thon struggles the most with. Because, and Koo, you wrote about this last season. When Thonmaker plays next to Andre Drummond, he almost looks passable. Almost. In fact, there's moments he even looks good. He looked good enough in moments last season playing next to Andre. You wrote a piece saying they may have something here. And yet Dwayne Casey instead decides, you know what? This guy who's a terrible rebounder, he's a bad NBA player, and his worst thing is that he can't rebound at all. What if we have most of his minutes at center, and the power forward is Markeith Morris, who also is a bad rebounder? Now, Joe, all I'm going to say is... It's big brain time. Now, all all I'm going to say is, in fairness to Dwayne Casey... Uh, it doesn't look like this roster really was set up to have a backup center anyways. Okay, I get that. I've got sympathy for that, right? I've got sympathy for the fact that he's got to play Thon Maker. But why on earth, this is not a, no, there is no excuse for this, okay? I was kind of joking about the he's a totally bum coach. But, like, there is no excuse for this. Thon Maker should not be on the floor if one of Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond is not on the floor. Anytime he's on the floor, and I, if Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are alive, warm bodies, and Thon Maker is on the floor without one of those two, Dwayne, Ed Stefanski should walk down with, like, a cattle prod or something, or like a shot collar, right on. So he goes, oh, right, I can't, I can't do that. No, it's obvious. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Dwayne Casey looks at Christian Wood as a power forward. No, it is obvious, and I'm saying it, it's stupid. That's okay. Well, <laughs> I guess, fair enough. I, okay, here's the here's the thing. How on earth are you looking at Tom Maker going? This guy can only play center minutes, only backup center minutes. That's what we need. Thon Maker to play backup center minutes. Okay. We well, can't play. They never play him next to Andre anymore. Never. Like, how does? How do you do this? Last season, we got a decent amount of evidence that Thon Maker is a total disaster. When you play him next to Andre Drummond, he's almost replacement level. He's almost a passable NBA player when he's next to Andre Drummond. Anyone else he's on there with, it's a disaster. We've seen that this season. And yet still, he keeps saying, you know what we can't do? We can't let Thonmaker share the floor with Andre Drummond. It's just stupefying. It's totally stupefying to me. Hi, well. This isn't even a, oh, Christian Wood is the savior. I We've talked about, Christian Wood is a disaster on defense, okay? I like him. I think he should be playing over Thon. But, like, if you want to go, we're going to play Thon over Christian Wood. Fair. I don't agree with that, but fair. But why are you not, once again, why are you not looking at things, the basic things, and going, how can we put our players into ways that are going to make it easier for them? How do we put players in positions that can help cover for their weaknesses and emphasize their strengths? What is Thon's biggest weakness? He can't rebound anything. What's some of his strengths? Well, on defense, when he can sort of be a free roamer who kind of comes in for weak side blocks, 
Then on offense, once again, sort of a free guy. He can get a couple of wide-open three-point looks, that sort of thing. You know what Thon Maker sucks at on offense? Rolling to the hoop. Setting screens. Okay. Yeah, no, no, please, please. Let me just say something about... He did actually have one dunk from Derrick Rose tonight, but that was really a, just a nice play from Derrick Rose, not Thon Maker. I'll, let me just say that something about that. That right there is the is the thing that confuses me the most about what Joe's saying. I, I, was, I was playing on letting Joe go on his rant and just staying out of it because I don't want to rant on Dwayne Casey again, especially after the loss tonight. I don't think it was his, uh, necessarily his fault. I don't think but, this loss was Dwayne Casey's fault. This season is Dwayne Casey's fault. That's fair, but but the thing that confuses me the most about what's going on out there is that I I understand I understand why I mean I mean I guess I I understand why he can't play Andre with Don. My basic understanding is is that when Don when Andre comes out the game, who's going to be the backup center? And it has to be Don. So Don has to play some minutes without Andre because he obviously doesn't look at Christian Wood as a center, but. Just uh, like I said, Joe can Joe can be idealist, idealistic. I'm gonna be reality. If you're going to play Thon with Christian Wood, I mean, I, I fair. It, I, it looks like something you have to do honestly because of the roster construction. But fine, if you're gonna play those two together, especially with Blake out, fine. But why? And just if you're good, this is the thing. This is the thing I argue with the people on Twitter about, and a lot of people just don't understand like what I'm saying. And Joe, Joe kind of is – I think this is Joe's overall point, too. It's not the fact that we're saying – or uh, let me speak for myself. It's not the fact that I'm saying this, this whole thing is Dwayne Casey's fault and that if we had someone else, it just would be – we'd be like a superstar team. No, that's not what I'm saying, at least. I'm saying is just because you're giving a bad situation doesn't mean you keep it a bad situation. You're supposed to make the most out of a bad situation. So exactly. For example, if you play Christian Wood and Thonmaker together, fine. But why – why is Christian Wood the one popping instead of Why is Thon rolling instead of exactly. Christian Wood? Christian Wood has way better hands. He's way more athletic around the room, way more creative around the room. There's more offensively skilled than Thon around the room. There's more offensively skilled than Thon in general. And the one thing that Thon brings on offense, or is supposed to bring on offense, is that he's supposed to be able to occasionally hit the open three. So why in the hell do you have someone with bad hands, not good around the room, and his only real, like, passable thing that he's supposed to be able to do is spot up and hit an open three. Why is he the one rolling when you legit have a better option literally setting the screen right next to him? That's the only thing I'll say. Exactly. That, that just makes no sense. Exactly. It makes real sense. So it's like, okay, so what you would want, and this is the reason why I said Dwayne Casey was the worst choice they could have made, okay, is that I looked at this roster, I said, there is talent on this roster, but it's tricky fits, and they've got enough injury issues that they're probably going to have to have stretches where they're going to have to find creativity outside of the normal realms of just let Blake be awesome. Okay, I think I literally wrote this in my piece that said Dwayne Casey, the Pistons shouldn't hire Dwayne Casey. I specifically brought up that there's going to be times like the start of this season where guys are going to be hurt and they're going to have to survive for 10 to 20 games with very minimal offensive creativity out of their players. And Dwayne Casey will not do any of, even smidgen of things to try and make it easier for players. So, like, once again, like you just said, okay, Christian Wood. What is Christian Wood best as? A role man. He sets good screens. He's got incredible hands. He can dunk. He's got great touch around the rim. And he's a good offensive rebounder. So when he's, you want him around the rim. What is Thumbmaker, like, as you said, kind of passable at? Spotting up for threes, 
sort of running around, you know, just kind of being there, being a warm body. And yet still, they have Thon Maker as the role man most of the time, while Christian Wood, who even though he shot well this season, don't count on that holding up. Christian Wood in the G League on a ton of volume is like a 31, I think he's actually like a 28% three-point shooter in his career, or something like that. And there's a lot of volume there. So there's real evidence that he's not going to shoot anywhere near as well as he has so far this season from three. And yet still, it's like, you know, so on that note, okay, historic, you look at the numbers, Christian Wood is probably a worse three-point shooter than Thon Maker is, realistically. Maybe he's made a significant improvement this past offseason, and he's actually going to be a solid three-point shooter. Maybe. We've got a lot of data that says Thonmaker is, in fact, a better three-point shooter than Christian Wood is. That's the reason why Christian Wood's threes are always wide open, because people are assuming he's going to start missing them at some point because he's a 28% three-point shooter. But still, Dwayne Casey's like, instead of doing this very basic thing of have Christian Wood set screens and roll and have Thonmaker spot up in the corner. Instead, he does the opposite. And so now both players are doing the things that they struggle with instead of putting players in the situations where they are strongest. And it's just boneheaded, and it's how he is always coached. And we knew that this is how he was going to coach. And when you coach like that, when you lose Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson, you're done for because you cannot count on your coach to be creative enough to generate any sort of easy looks for anybody. The only way the offense can work is when he's got his stars that he can give the ball to and be like, go get him, Tiger, and that's it. He's he's hopeless without that. And it's like, it's almost extra frustrating because, you know, so the first game that Bruce um, had to play point guard and, like, Dwayne Case was, like, up coaching, and after the game, he says, man, it was pretty frustrating. Like, I had to get up and do a but He literally said that. Vince Ellis tweeted it. That he literally talked about how he was like, yeah, we had to do extra stuff. It's like, and it worked for that game. It kind of worked for a few games there when they had no point guards. And it's like, why don't you try this with your other good players? There's nothing stopping you from doing this. You know, just because Blake Griffin is good enough you don't need to design plays for him doesn't mean that he won't be helped by you designing plays for him. So it's just, it's just... It's dumbfounding to me. But, like you said, Coop, I'm not suggesting... I'm not seriously suggesting... Okay. I'm going to take the ranting hat off here, okay? Dwayne Casey's not the reason the Pistons lost this game. There are a lot of coaches that the Pistons could have hired that they would be doing just as poorly as Dwayne Casey is. There's probably some that would be doing worse because they would have potentially lost the locker room. And that's one thing that you can count on for Dwayne Casey. But the Pistons condemn themselves to definitely not being worth much with Dwayne Casey as their coach. The only way that they can is if this front office proves to be one of the best front offices in the league. Because that's the only reason the Raptors were good. Just so we're clear on that. Masai Ujiri is probably the league's best or maybe second best general manager. And that's been true for a long time. That dude has done nothing but build great basketball teams. And he's been proven continually. This season, he's proven again. Pascal Siakam is a freaking superstar, right? Pulled out of nowhere. Fred Van Vliet, freaking star, pulled out of nowhere. Just repeatedly, they're doing that. And guess what else? They fired Dwayne Casey, and they won a title afterwards. 
And they're good this year again, too. So, yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I guess I'll just say an overall thoughts about this game and everything Joe's talked says so far. I, me and Joe can disagree on what go, what we could have done tonight, but and like he said, when I, I'm, I, I mean, he ranted about actually everyone's listening. He's the one who ranted about Dwayne Casey. This was not me. This was yeah. Uh, you guys yeah. expect and a rant it's from important me. to note this that in it. particular here because you know, Koo, you're you're covering games. So you've got to be around these guys. I'll take all the heat. All the heat's on me, Koo. You you're you're a big Dwayne Casey fan. You think he's doing a great job as far as the public is concerned. That's fine. That's I'll take fair. all this heat. And you know what? If I ever see Dwayne Casey, I'm gonna tell him he's a bum. That's that's fair, but run a hammer action or something. I don't know. That's fair, but <laughs> I, I'll, I'll bring this up. Um, I hold on. What? Who? What? Is Jake Chapman the guy that used to be with the Pistons? Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, okay. All right. So we. Jesus Christ. What? Right. So did you see the tweet that Dialed in Detroit tweeted? Oh yeah. Okay. So one guy screenshotted the fact that Luke was standing in the corner with his hands up and suggested that he was open. For one, I guess people don't understand that Giannis Antetokounmpo is like six eleven and has like a seven foot five thousand wingspan and is just like standing in that pathway. So it, Andre can't make that pass, which is part of the thing I was trying to say earlier is that it's hard to even try to create threes on driving kickouts because they're so long. There's not very many passing lanes for you to even try to fit them in. But some guy took a screenshot of it and sent it to me and said, "Drummond was garbage tonight. I swear he's always minus." 3,400 lifetime versus any Lopez. You can tell from the tip if he's giving effort or not. He just plain didn't give any tonight, and it's when you need him to man up that he shrinks. What a bum-ass take. What a so, bum-ass take. Wait, please, just let me finish it. Please, just let me finish Go. So, one of the things that makes this just sound even more stupid is that if you watch the game, Andre started off, like, dominating this game. Like, he started off, like, with, like, eight of our first ten points or something. Had like six rebounds. Like his offensive his rebounding was the only thing that even yeah. remotely worked early in the game. Yes, yeah, so like legit, that that doesn't make any sense. The whole you can tell from the tip because if you're just watching the first five minutes, you think that he probably had like a twenty twenty. So that's one. And then two, I comment over it. I, I quote tweeted. I let him know. Has zero to do with effort. Their defensive scheme has been set up to completely take away Drummond, and the Pistons don't have the personnel to change that. This is not an effort thing. This is an X and O scheme wise and personnel wise. Okay, Jake Chapman tweets me and says, nah, this is trash. <sighs> okay, so let me just say this to... Oh, that's not, um, like, that that's not the... I don't... Oh, maybe, maybe it is? No, I'm pretty sure it is because it says Orlando Magic Radio. I thought he was in Cleveland. I don't know. Although I guess it does say in his bio, Detroit, Cleveland, then Orlando. Maybe he just switched. Last season he was covering Cleveland. Alright. Well, either way. Well, he must. it must be him then, I guess. Alright, so either way. Let me just come at him real quick. Look. I'm, I'm not Duncan Smith. I don't have respect for my elders. I don't give a damn if you're my elders. <laughs> I, I don't give a damn. 
So, listen, first off, if you're going to come to my mentions and say something like that, that's just absurdly false and is idiotic, you're going to get this type of response from me. I'm not I'm not for that kind of shit. It's just not going to happen with me. That's first. Second, it, it's not trash. If you watch the game and if you watch the Pistons in the playoffs last year, literally, if you if you follow anybody who covers the Pistons, you cover. You talk to Laz. You talk to Duncan. You talk to any. You talk to me. You talk to Joe. You talk to anybody. Their coverage is called a drop coverage. I don't know if you know what that is, but a drop coverage. When you have a seven footer like Brooke Lopez, you want to know why Andre struggles against Brooke Lopez? Because Brooke Lopez is a, is a legit seven footer. He's not very good at moving his feet, but since he plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, who have literally the the length of Mr. Fantastic at every position, he can. Just, they have it set up to where he can just stand at the rim and do what he's best at, which is rim protect. He doesn't have to worry about moving his feet, trying to do... You know what Andre does? Andre in the pick and roll, he covers the ball handler, the pick and roller, covers the bounce passes, the lob threats. He covers all of that. Brooke Lopez cannot do that. But what he can do is rim protect. So they have him stand at the rim. How in the fuck do you want him, Andre Drummond, what do you want him to do? What, what, if he gets a bounce pass, Blast tweeted this earlier, giving him a bounce pass doesn't do anything. It's like you're sizing him up to fail. Because you just give him a bounce pass, he's just running into a seven-footer standing wing. So unless you think he has the vertical of Michael Jordan, there's not he's not going to just raise over a seven-footer and dunk on him. That's first. Second, you guys have to make up your damn minds with Andre Drummond. First, you guys tell him you guys don't want him to do everything. You guys don't want him to do anything else but set screens and roll to the rim. And then when he does that, you get pissed and say, Oh, no, he's trash. He should be doing this. He should have been doing that. He should be... Which one What do you want? You can't have both of them. You can't get mad when he tries to do other things. And by the way, as Dwayne Casey pointed out in the press conference last last game, I was the points per possession on Andre dribbling up the court and doing handoffs or doing his thing is actually positive. It's actually one of the Pistons' best offenses. So shut the hell up with it. I don't understand how people can be so stupid. And and you know what? I've never had a problem with this guy before. He seems I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about him really. I don't have. I know who he is. I don't have. I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like I have like this. I'm about to have like this beef with him. But this is for anybody, including him. I don't give a damn if you're verified. I don't give a damn if you're my elder. I don't give a damn if you're if you're a sports reporter for ESPN. I don't give a damn who you are. You come to my mention saying some bullshit like that, I'm gonna come at you. And that right there was a bunch of bullshit. What you just said. There was there's nothing that you can ask of Andre to do. In my video over the summer about Derrick Rose, one of the things I pointed out. And while me and Joe can disagree about this, one of the things I point out was why I thought he would be such an upgrade over Ish Smith is because exactly the drop coverage that we saw in the playoff. I thought that Derrick Rose could hit some mid-range jumpers and some floaters. I thought that he would at least make them be honest and maybe think about changing their coverage. And if they didn't, I thought Derrick Rose could still, something that we didn't see in the playoff, I thought that he could still at least go to the rim because when you attack drop coverage and you force shots at the rim, Usually, you make that seven-footer have to attack to you. You know what that does? That leaves Andre Drummond open for the cleanup, and even if you do miss. So that's what that's why I thought on Derrick Rose would be such an upgrade. The Pistons did none of that to Joseph. While I think that it was okay to take floaters, to Joseph, to Joe's defense, that is, that's perfectly fair. If you attack the seven-footer and force shots up, you can get one a foul or two. Since you have the greatest rebounder to ever freaking live, he's going to get the putback and probably score for you, which is probably the Pistons' best offense without Blake. So, Mr. Chapman or anybody, Mr. Dialed, dialed in Detroit, all you, all you fake pieces, oh, my God. Just explain to me what you expect Andre Drummond to do. Same thing I told to Joe. 
explain to me the offense that you want him to do. Explain to me what you wanted to see from him tonight. And for God's sake, if you knew how to watch basketball, analyze basketball, this is the clear indicator that someone doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. When when you ask them what happened, they say effort. These guys are, oh my God, these guys are in the NBA playing their asses off every night. Dwayne Casey has defended Andre's effort. I believe Stan Van Gundy did. This, just because Andre struggles, and oh my God, oh, I, I was planning on getting, I was planning on getting off this podcast, dude, and just going. Oh my God, I'm so heated right now. Last game, the last last two games we saw from, oh my God, from Blake Griffin. If Andre Drummond played the way Blake Griffin did, effort wise, defensive rotation wise, closeout wise, rim protection wise, just you can name anything that has anything to do with effort. Andre Drummond probably would have been JFK shot in the back of his head before he got back to the arena. It would have been, he would have been dead. He would have been killed by you guys because he didn't give this that. But since Blake is Blake and he has the big name, oh Blake, you guys don't say nothing. But literally, the guy who actually covers everyone's ass, like Joe said, with Thon, like I wrote last year with Thon, he covers Thon's ass. He covers Blake's ass for not playing defense. He covers the whole perimeter defense's ass because we have the worst perimeter defense in the NBA. That's how you analyze basketball. That effort. When you watch a team, you see what's going on. Oh, we can't stay in front of a ball handler. Andre has to constantly come over. If he doesn't come over, you guys say he doesn't do enough effort. He doesn't know what he's doing. But then when he does come over, no one's rotating to his backside and his guy gets a layup. Then at the end of the game, and you guys look at the box score and say, oh, look at me, points Andre dropped off. Like, you guys don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Stop covering my mentions. Stop following me. Stop talking to me. Stop watching this game. I'm sick of it. You guys are fucking idiots. You guys are dumb. You guys don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I'm sick of it. I can't do it no more. If you watch this game tonight and you came away from the opening tip when Andre had legit eight and six out the gate, our best offense was him offensive rebounding. If you still think that his effort was the problem, Get the hell away from me. You wouldn't say it to my face. I can't. I can't. I can't do it no more. Oh my, I, would, I, I hope Andre Drummond leaves the Detroit Pistons. I seriously hope he gets the hell out of here. I hope this for every Detroit athlete. This goes for the same way I feel about Matthew Stafford. The fans in Detroit, the fans in Michigan are fucking dumbasses. They don't know what they're talking about. And they make a living hell for Detroit sports athletes who actually give it their all, are actually really good at what they do. And people, they legit want to be here. Andre likes it here in Detroit. He likes Michigan. How many stars can you find that do that? So you think that at least that, even if he wasn't given effort, the fact that he loves it in Detroit, the fact that we have this pride, I have this pride for Detroit, Detroit first, everybody. You think that even if he didn't give effort, that would give him some kind of leeway with fans. But not only does he give effort, he loves Detroit. He plays his ass off every night for Detroit. He plays, by the way, he's putting up numbers that we have not seen since Will Chamberlain. He's putting up stuff that we have not seen in years, decades. He's doing stuff that we don't see ever. But you guys still want to talk about his effort. Get the hell away from me. I'm done. I, stay out my mention. Stop talking to me. Stop fucking with me. Stop messing with me. Stop talking to me about this BS. Stop talking to people on Twitter about this BS. Just stop. I can't do it no more. I'm done. I can't. I didn't plan on going on a rap, but that just wholeheartedly pissed me off. You watch this game, and you think... Andre Drummond didn't give enough effort. Oh, first of all, if you, Mr. Chapman, or anybody else who watched that 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 clip and feels the same way as him, and once again, I don't know the guy. I've never messed with the guy. I don't have, like, some personal issue with him. I'm just going off what he said to me. I don't deal with that shit. If anybody else who, who sees what he saw in that clip and you say Luke Kennard's wide open in the corner, 
bro, you have you have Giannis Antetokounmpo standing in the passing lane. You have another person standing in the passing lane. Let, let me go. Look, oh, no, I'm, let me go look. Make sure I get the exact players that are standing right here in this passing lane. You got Brooke Lopez guarding him. You got Giannis standing right there. You got West. I believe that's Wesley Matthews yep. literally watching Luke, watching Luke. They probably want him to force that pass, which is what you guys don't understand. They want them to force these passes because the bucks are long so they can get out fast break because they're amazing in the fast break. So you can force those passes like you want. He's not open. He's not. Unless Andre Drummond is Magic freaking Johnson, which, by the way, when he does try to make passes, you guys complain about it. So if he did try to make that pass, you guys would have to clip anyways and say, look how bad the pass this was. was it? Oh, my God, I can't. This team lost this game tonight because they are better than us. They have better players than us. Their coach is better than us. We do not have the personnel to stop what they're trying to do against us, to make them change what they're trying to do against us. And out, when Derrick Rose comes off the floor, when Andre Drummond comes off the floor, when those two players are not on the floor, the Pistons get destroyed. It's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with effort. Everything in basketball when a player struggles is not effort. And if you guys want to talk about effort, like I said earlier, Blake Griffin, if Andre Drummond gave the same kind of effort Blake Griffin gave not even the past two games the past year and I love Blake I don't want Blake to leave I want us to keep trying to win with Blake I I don't want to trade Blake but if he gave the effort that Blake gave on defense Andre Drummond would be murdered he would die in the city of Detroit he would die at the young age of 26 he would be dead if he did what Blake did you guys don't know what the hell you guys are talking about stop talking to me stop coming my mentions I'm done we really needed this coup. We had a lot we had to get off our chests here tonight. <laughs> no, Joe, because it's just retarded, dude. I didn't, I didn't want to come on here and talk about... No, talk about I'm, I'm there too. I didn't. I wasn't planning on coming on and going on a rant either. I'm just saying, clearly we needed this. You want to know something like, that's this like... like this pod would have ended 15 minutes ago if you didn't come in my mention. Yeah. But now I had the spaz. Well, like, the thing that's almost extra frustrating about the... Those dialed in Detroit guys. So they came and they hooped with us at one time. And like, they seem like decent enough dudes. You know? Like, they're not actually just jackasses. And yet still they choose to be jackasses on Twitter. Like, I'm a jackass on Twitter, but I'm actually a jackass in real life too. I'm actually typically more polite online than I am in person. But like, it's like, what? Don't be idiots online. Like, clearly you guys are not actually just idiots. And yet still you choose to be idiots online, you know? Just kind of, I don't get it. And, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Joe, I'm over here steaming. I know. I, I don't understand how people with two eyeballs can watch this game. Literally, well, you know, some... you know, cool. So, the Dalton Detroit show. So, the, the station they're on, when you look at some of their other programming... I could maybe tell you a couple reasons why they may see that in Andre Drummond. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I, I, I suppose that's fair. But the station the that has right such wonderful people as Seb Gorpka and Joe Walsh. I mean, look, look. That, They've got... That, every other show on that radio station are like the right-wingers that are so crazy that most right-wingers are like, these dudes are insane racist people. I mean, listen, I wasn't even so-called coming to Dallas Detroit because they didn't say this to me. When I said something about that clip, they didn't, they didn't try to come at me with anything. That tape that Jake Chapman tweeted at yeah. me. Nah, this is trash, bro. 
No, no, that, no. What's trash is your opinion and the fact you had the gall, the unmitigated gall to tweet something like that. That's what's trash. And you should honestly be deactivated from Twitter for the night, for the next day for tweeting something like that. This, I'll say this up front. I'll say this up front. You have an issue with it, you can come say it to me. So this is not for everybody. Watching basketball and trying to analyze it ain't for everybody. Trying to talk about it ain't for everybody. If that's what you come away from tonight thinking something about Andre Drummond's effort, he played 37 minutes. He's leading. Is he still leading the league in minutes? I have to double check. Last time I wrote an article, he was leading the league in minutes. Could you do that? Could Ever? Could Blake Griffin do that? Could Joel Embiid, Mr. I played 60 games a season. Oh, I got sick during the playoffs because I can't take care of myself. Could he do that? Could any could any of these big men that you talk about lead the league in minutes? But no, he doesn't give enough effort. He's a, he doesn't have enough energy. What the hell is wrong with you people? He's oh my he played 37 minutes tonight. Like he had and for and even with his foul trouble, which is I was gonna mention this earlier before I came on the want to talk about it. Even he obviously needs to stay out of foul trouble. But the crazy thing to me is even when he gets into foul trouble, he's still playing 35 plus minutes. So like the dude's still playing out there. Like, dude, how, bro, all the evidence literally points against what the hell you guys try to say, this old-ass narrative that you guys continue to try to push because you guys don't know how to analyze basketball. The dude is, Joe, if you, while I'm doing this rant, if you could just go look up if he's leading the league in minutes right now, that'd be great for me. Because last time I checked, he was leading the league in total minutes played. As a 6-11 center who runs up and down the court as good as anybody else, like, dude, oh my god. He's no longer leading the league in minutes. Um, there's a couple teams that have now played more games than the Pistons. But to your point of he's a big man, okay? So we'll go with minutes per game so that nobody can accuse us of using inflated numbers or anything. So the top center for minutes per game is Rudy Gobert, who plays 34.9. Andre Drummond plays less than a minute less than him at 34.2, Okay. Rudy Gobert is 11th as of, this is on basketball reference, so this will not include tonight's minutes. So Andre will actually go up slightly because he played more than 34 minutes tonight. But Rudy Gobert is at 34.9. He's ranked 11th in the NBA minutes per game. Andre Drummond is 18th. Where do you think the next center is in that line? Who knows? It's Demonis Sabonis. He's 24th. After him, Carl Anthony Towns is 37th. After him, Bam Adebayo is 45th. So if you... Here, let Yeah, so in the top 50, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 centers in the top 50. You can keep going down. Clint Capella's 53. Like... Big men don't... You, big men in the modern... In today's NBA, big men usually don't play that many minutes. It's usually guards who play the most minutes. And also, he's playing so many. He's asked he's to do a ton. So here's something that I think people don't. To do so much. Here's something I think people don't appreciate enough is that Andre German crashes the offensive glass every single possession. You and guys understand how I much think, energy that yeah. takes. How much so like that takes? you know you look at seriously. This is another thing that I think is an issue. I think that. Um, and this isn't even like a herder, I'm, you know, a basketball nerd or whatever. Like, I think that it, it oftentimes I think it just really highlights the degree to which, um, to which, um, 
people don't watch other teams enough. Because, like, if you watched other teams, you realize, you want to know what most centers do on, like, almost every possession? They give the ball off to someone else, and then once the shot goes up, like, the moment they're like, oh, that guy's shooting, they start to get back on defense. They don't go, they don't, most teams do not crash the offensive glass every possession. Not even close. Andre Drummond does it every single possession. The only reason he, the only plays he doesn't is when he, like, does a dribble handoff out by a three-point line, like with Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, and they just pull up immediately. And even then, he oftentimes does. Like, he crashes the offensive glass every single possession, and then he gets back on defense. And, like, that is exhausting. And I just, I have never understood the Andre Drummond effort thing. It's just, it's a totally unfair narrative that people made with him um, when he was first coming into the league. There were questions about his motor. And That's why he fell to the Pistons. Yeah, and I've just never seen it. Like, there's time. there's been times, particularly pre-no-surgery or whatever, where he, like, couldn't breathe. There's times where he's been gassed. But, like, people realize that happens to NBA players, right? Like, that happens quite a bit, actually, where guys just clearly get gassed. It's like, and people go, oh, well, he hangs his head and stuff. Even when he hangs his head, he gets back on defense. You know what? Also, another thing that I preach about Andre Drummond, there's not that many times, because guess what? Andre Drummond gets fouled a lot more than he gets called. Like, let's just be real, okay? That's not the biggest deal in the world. There's a lot of guys like him that are big, strong, physical. They're bigger and stronger than everyone else. They get fouled more. That's just a reality of being that, all right? Like, Shaq would like a word about this. (laughs) But you know what? Andre Drummond doesn't just stand and just refuse to get back on defense to stand and bitch and moan at the refs or that sort of thing, right? Like, this is a dude who, all right, Stan Van Gundy, who is not one to mince words about these sorts of things, said Andre Drummond has never, when they were in, like, their whole deal where they had, like, two team meetings and all this other stuff, right? Stan Van Gundy singled out Andre Drummond as he's never complained about shot attempts once while I've been here. He wants to touch the ball like he wants to be involved in the offense, but he's never complained about shot attempts once. You want to know who was complaining about shot attempts on that team? Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Marcus Morris. Like, Andre Drummond is... It's it's just kind of baffling to me how people got into this mindset to where Andre Drummond is anything other than spectacular. Like, he's a homegrown... They drafted him... He's been developed. He's come so far from where he was when he came into the league. He likes it in Detroit. He's never done anything wrong. Like, he hasn't gotten into trouble off the court. There's never been any incidences with him and his teammates or with him and a coach. Like, it's just, if you want to argue Andre Drummond is not good enough to win a championship with him, that's fair. You want to argue Andre Drummond is not good enough for his contract or the contract that he may potentially end up getting. That's fair. We can argue about that. But these people who they just, they've just decided they need, we need to get rid of Andre Drummond. He's the problem. Like, how can you look at a dude who has come from a program, uh, not a program, I've been too much college football today, not a program, a franchise, that when he showed up, let's make no qualms about this, the Pistons were probably the worst, maybe second worst because of the Kings. They're probably the second worst run franchise in the NBA. Right? They were a total disaster. 
And what other teams could say in a, over a decade that they had a literal player mutiny, right? Like, this is a franchise that has been a trash fire. And this dude has done nothing but kept his head down, done everything right, and worked and worked and gotten better. He's gotten better every year. It's just, it's, you know, why can't more people acknowledge that this dude rose from a shit pile that is the Detroit Pistons franchise? He was the eighth pick in the, like, every single thing that people want. Oh, we need to rebuild so we can get a guy like this. Andre Drummond is all of these things. Like, people complain all the time about, oh, the Pistons always miss on these picks, that picks. You want to know something? They hit on one. There's a few teams that they desperately wish they had picked Andre Drummond. You want to know a team that wishes they had picked Andre Drummond? The Raptors. They picked um, Terrence Ross, right? Terrence Ross is not better than Andre Drummond. And you want to know what else? They were in such dire need of a proper center that they traded stuff for a... How old is Marc Gasol? Like 36? Because they desperately needed an actual starting center. Because Jonas Valanciunas was not cutting it. How badly did they... They desperately wanted Andre Drummond now, looking back. So it's like, it's just baffling to me how the degree... And like you said, okay, you brought up Blake Griffin and the fact that if he... If Andre Drummond gave the same effort on defense and whatever that Blake Griffin does. And just like you, this isn't a let's get angry at Blake Griffin thing, okay? First off, Blake Griffin does a ton of stuff on offense. When you do that much, you get to take plays off on defense. Second off... There's just a reality of Blake Griffin is a bona fide superstar diva type player. And you know what happens with those guys? They take plays off. Unless you're Tim Duncan, right? There's a reason that people rave about Tim Duncan in that degree. Because he's like the only bona fide super duper star who didn't just take plays off all the time, okay? But it's like, it's frustrating because they when people complain about Andre Drummond, they go, Oh, we want a guy who... We, we want a star who, oh, he just rebounds and he plays hard and he doesn't complain and he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And then you get Blake Griffin, who does all of the things that these Detroit people say, oh, no, this isn't Detroit, this isn't what we want. You get Blake Griffin, and everyone adores Blake Griffin, but everyone hates Andre Drummond, when Andre Drummond is actually everything that they claim to want. And that's the thing that's most frustrating to me. Andre Drummond is everything that so many of you people say that you want in a player. A guy who was overlooked coming out of college. Fell further in the draft than he should have. He's done nothing but kept his head down and worked on his game. Every year he has come back better. People remember, this guy was one of the worst... Not one of... He was like the worst free throw shooter in NBA history. And now he's shooting... What what is he shooting from the free throw line this year? He is shooting... Uh... He's shooting almost 70%. And you know you know what on that? Hey, Koo, who's the main guy that people, when people bitch about Andre Drummond, who's the main guy people bring up? There's a couple. Uh, ben Wallace. You want to know who never managed, Mr. Hard Work, you want to know who never managed to work hard enough to learn to shoot freaking free throws? Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace at age 37. Shot 34% from the free throw line. 34%. But Andre Drummond doesn't try hard. And it's funny how people can look at Ben Wallace and it's like, well, he just can't learn to shoot free throws. It's okay. He still he still works hard. But then anything Andre Drummond can't do, oh, he's just not working hard enough. Like, how can you look at this dude 
and think that he doesn't... That's another thing. People don't appreciate how hard you have to work at anything to be able to do it on an NBA floor. Like, Andre Drummond handles the ball a ton right now. Do you know how hard that is to do on an NBA floor? Like, it's insane. Like, consider the fact that, you know, Andre, he's released these videos of the offseason where he's shooting threes, and he's just canning them. But he steps on an NBA floor and he can't do it, right? It is so hard to do anything at a high enough level that you can do it on an NBA basketball court in a competitive NBA game. And he has added so much to his game. It's insane. So it's just, I don't know, it's a frustration. Let me just say this one thing. Yeah. This, is, this is the last thing I'll say on it, dude. This is the last thing I'm going to say about it. And you guys could probably go find this about And if you guys want to go find something about this, uh, something I've said about this, then go ahead. But I don't think I've ever done this. If you're going to want to come at a player or you want you want to say something about a player, I don't go ever at them personally. I don't ever go at them saying that they don't care. Because these players, I don't care. There's not many players that you'll ever find, you'll ever see me in the history of sports that I believe just didn't care. Like, like that's just baloney. I don't believe that any player gets on the court and just doesn't care. Like, you won't get me to believe that. Like, like for example, people who said that LeBron quit on the Cavs, like, with the Celtics, against that Celtics. Uh, like two, what was it like two thousand nine or something? That's baloney. That like that's just BS. Don't come at the player. If this is what you are paid to do, or if you, if you are being paid to do it, this is what you're paid to do. And if you're trying to get paid to do it, this is what you're supposed to be doing. For example, tonight, Andre Drummond did he struggle? Probably. I wouldn't say it's his best game. He didn't. He turned the ball over too much. He had a few turnovers that he should have just wiped out himself. That's on him. He took a couple, especially the outlet to Derrick Rose. He probably should, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, there was definitely mistakes that he did that he needs to clean up. But then when you want to talk about why didn't Andre Drummond do enough on offense, why did he struggle on offense? You saying he struggled on offense? No, you're supposed to tell tell me why he struggled on offense. It's not because of effort. It's because of what happened. It's because of X's and O's. That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to just say, "Oh, player A didn't do this." Well, why didn't they do this? There's more to it than just simply coming at the player and assuming they just didn't care or they didn't give enough effort. Because it, it, I'll tell you this much right now. There's no much – Andre Drummond could have tried as hard as he possibly could. He could have went out there and collapsed on the court from trying so hard. He, it doesn't matter what would have changed the fact that the Bucks were running pu- drop coverage and he can't get the ball on that. It's just not going to happen. There's no amount of effort that will happen. There's no amount of, of – no, he can try as hard as he wants. Until the Pistons get up some players, I said in the offseason, I believe they need a wing to do this. Until they get a wing that can attack the rim and force them to stop doing this drop cover, someone that can make them pay for just staying in the paint, someone who can finish over someone, around someone, or force fouls, until they can get someone to do that, you're going to continue to see this. Because they, you know why? This is the ultimate. You know how people say the same thing about Steph Curry with the boxing one? How that pays the ultimate respect to Steph Curry? The yeah. James Harden double that pays the ultimate respect to James Harden. This pays the ultimate respect to Andre Drummond. They know that he is the only thing the Pistons have right now. They know that their best offense is coming from Andre Drummond. And listen, none of us are saying that Andre Drummond is some spectacular offensive skill set player. He's not. That says more about the team around him that they know that he is their best, their best option. So they take him completely out the game. They know if they take Andre Drummond out this game, the Pistons will not do anything. Because they don't have nothing else about it. That's what, what they do. The Bucks have been done it. They're going to continue to do it. Most teams should keep doing it because I, don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know why teams don't do it more against the Pistons. Because it takes away the lob. 
You're not going to bounce pass it to Dre because it sets him up for failure. Like, this is what happens. It's not always about effort. If you can't see that, you should stop it. You should stop trying to be this. You should stop trying to be what you're trying to become with this analysis of basketball, Ryan, but basketball, you just need to stop. Because if everything you have to say is about effort, it's just BS. These players do not go out there and just not care. That, that's not what happens. And Dwayne Casey, we, I, I asked him after a game this year about this, and he said, effort has never, ever been a question with me for Andre, ever. Dwayne, Stan Van Gundy, he's never complained about shot attempts. This is a narrative that you people out there who are just too lazy to do your actual work, your actual analysis, this is a narrative that you guys are pushing because this is not realistic. This is not real. And, I, and this will be the last time. I'm serious. This will be the last time I talk about this on that pod because I'm not going to continue to come out here and continue to rant and spaz like I did tonight. It's not going to continue to happen. If you guys don't know what you're talking about, you're just going to get simply muted on my Twitter. You're going to get blocked. I'm done with it. I can't do this no more. If you want to come, like Joe said, if you want to come at Andre Drummond skill-wise, you want to come at him, you want to argue why. He maybe is not as good as we think he is or not as good enough for this contract or this contract or, or this role in this team or this role in that team. That's all fine. That's within the realm of basketball. But questioning a player's effort day in and day out, day in and day out, how much he tries, how much he doesn't try, how much he tries, how much he doesn't try, how much he works, how, much he, how hard he works, questioning that on a daily for a player that we have watched get better, literally, I'm not joking, he, he's literally gotten better every single season he has played in the NBA. It's just BS. And I it's stupid. I don't want to hear it no more. I, I I'm done with it. Yeah, we're both there. Um so we can probably close on that. Um we both definitely had some pent up frustrations here. But you know, sometimes we gotta let that out. This is a safe space. Um so now that we're back on schedule, we're gonna try and have at least nearly daily pods. Um, again, for at least a while until I'm back working full-time. Um, so you should be regular. And we'll try and have our next podcast, which should be tomorrow, um, be less angry, hopefully. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about some strategic stuff and not just be angry. But, you know, it's kind of a time to be angry. Um, I think the last thing that I want to say before we finish, I tweeted this earlier, um, but I've seen a lot of people say that you know, it'd be much. It'd be more fun to just trade everybody, tank, and just let the young guys play and lose a bunch. Let me tell you something. It is never fun to watch a team lose constantly, ever. Doesn't matter how young they are, how promising they are. It is never fun to watch a team just lose night in and night out. And that's a fact. So if you're thinking that, stop thinking that. If you think that they should rebuild, that's fine. You could think that. But don't try and convince it yourself or anyone else that it'll be so much more fun if they do that. Because it will not. <laughs> and, yeah, I think we're going to finish on that. Um, love you, everybody. Stay beautiful. Go Pistons. <laughs>